The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. August 18th, alone in Radford. I didn't have any idea what Radford had in store for me, or what was around the next corner, but I didn't care. I was 18 years old. I didn't care about anything. My dad had just dropped me off in my new home, Bumfuck Egypt, USA. I was a young kid with a wad of cash in the middle of nowhere, ready for any adventure that came my way. This inevitably could only lead to one possible outcome, a good time. Being on my own in Radford was so alien and new. I was both excited and scared at the same time, not knowing what to expect. The best part about being a freshman was that all of my peers were in the same situation. All of us were new kids at the school, young, dumb, and ignorant. We were all ignorant of the fact that we didn't know too much about life, love, or responsibility. Making poor choices as a freshman carried a lot of harsh consequences that I wasn't ready for. From the location my dad chose to drop me off, I assumed that I needed to start my new journey with a haircut. I pulled up my big boy socks and walked into the little Italian barber shop. The barber tried talking to me, but I gave short answers. I was trying to gather my thoughts. I was alone. I was going to be my own man now. There was no dad around to save me. He had just given me my severance package, and we were done. A nice severance package for someone that age. I knew that I could call him if I needed to, but the leash just got a little longer. During the haircut, I couldn't stop my overly excited mind from racing. I thought about my gorgeous girlfriend back home. Then I started thinking about the new person I could become, the new friends I was going to make, and the quarter pound of pot I had in my dorm room. There was so much that I could develop here. I wasn't just thinking about my education, although that was on the docket. So... It's real nice that you casually glance past that quarter pound. And going back to the haircut, uh, I rem- I met you, and I remember you having a shaggy head of hair. So how long from now you arriving in school to when you pledged? Um, so between the time that you had met me and when I got my haircut, it was just kind of getting out of control. And when you're a guy with long hair, the main objective is just to kind of keep it out of your eyes, I guess. And once it starts getting too close to your eyes, you start seeing it out of the left and right side of your eye. And then you think it's like a bug or a person and it starts like fucking with you. And that's the time to get it cut. Um, so that was starting to happen. But it wasn't like so, getting long in the back and short in the front style. It wasn't quite yet a mullet. It wasn't, well, it, I think it was far beyond the capacity of being able to even be a mullet, uh, but it wasn't like a full-blown, I don't, so I don't know hairstyles. Yeah, it wasn't beautiful yet. You didn't get a haircut, you got to trim. Yeah, I got to clean up. But you know when you're there, how they ask you like a thousand questions? Like, buddy, I just met you. Like, although you're cutting an intimate part of my body, my head, and I have read that story where the barber that's shaving the guy could have killed him in Eastern Germany or wherever it was like, I, I appreciate that you're cutting my hair, but you don't need to know all these things about me. Yeah. The, the constant conversation is wonderful. I think, 
uh, I get really, I feel really awkward in a barber's chair. So like, I want to talk about some inane stuff. Like, let's just have idle chit chat because yeah, you've got a blade and you're next to my head and, and you could hurt me very severely. So I want to, let's keep it casual. What, what kind of music you like? What's your favorite TV show? And it was their only customer, and all of them were kind of like looking at me, waiting for me to answer, and my dad had just dropped me off. I've just seen Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd too many times, and uh, I'm terrified of the barber. So I think we were making a tally as well, and I believe he just gave me 300 bucks. Oh, where's my paper? Okay, I need to find my paper. Yes, I'll add that to it. Okay. Plus 300. Tallied. Tallied. I was thinking about the people I could befriend, which would help add to my life's experiences. I couldn't wait to interact with other students on a cerebral level, with both sides each challenging one another's ideas and beliefs. I wanted my ideas to be challenged and negotiated. When my mind finally stopped spinning, my haircut was done. Now I was terrified. The first steps out of that barber shop were the first steps towards a new me. There I was, walking down Radford's Main Street, $20 short of $300. I felt like I tipped too much, $8 on $12. I was already off to a bad start at budgeting. It was sunny, and the fresh mountain air was not something I was used to breathing in. Mountains surrounded the town, and their ridges could be seen from almost everywhere. They were beautiful. I was in a cluster of mountains surrounded by old houses and an amazing-looking campus. With my money already burning a hole in my pocket, I had the urge to stop at Subway on the corner of Main Street. I managed to resist its temptations for a moment. I asked myself, why would I spend valuable partying and drug supply money on something I had a meal card for? So, like, the best thing about Radford, I think, was, like, how incredibly gorgeous the entire area was. We had the river that we could go down... Uh, like there was just so, there was just so much, so much greenery in the area. It was really, uh, like if you drove over the mountain to get to Blacksburg, that was really nice. I really like, I really liked that aspect of Bradford too. I'm glad that you mentioned it. It, the story, I wish I could paint it better, but the campus is almost like dropped in the middle of the mountains where you would picture like a perfect movie or like a castle being put back in the medieval times. Strategic, strategic, the Highlands. Yeah, that university will last forever. I think that's a great place to go in case of a zombie invasion is that 13-story dorm. Yeah, good thinking. Absolutely. A few minutes later, I was contemplating this as I walked up the steep hill to Muse with my Philly cheesesteak sub in hand. I had no self-control. I hated walking up the steep hills already. I figured my quads were going to be diesel by the time I graduated. So within like a couple minutes of my pops giving me 300 bucks, I had tipped a barber, I had gotten a haircut, and I had bought a sandwich at Subway. I had a meal card. Anybody can cut their own hair or find somebody to do it, especially in college. Just blowing through money at this point. You're out of control. I'm out of control somebody needs to stop me you have you haven't even had a drink yet you haven't you haven't smoked at all like you're completely out of control i have blown like 40 dollars 
While I was waiting to cross the road at the top of the hill, I took notice of four girls swinging on a deck swing of a large yellow house. The house was on the corner of the street and the first of off-campus housing. This house is still on Google Maps. <laughs> it, it looked like exists. some sort of sorority house, but had no definitive markers or symbols on it. The staircase that led to the deck was long and tall, a masterpiece of cement. The stairs looked like they were the final destination of many drunken tumbles off the massive deck they led to. On the deck laid many chairs, an entrance to the three-story house, and a large deck swing that sat four very pretty girls. They were all staring directly at me. I stared back at them with a mouthful of sub. It was a new day, and I had to make myself known. I meant to casually say, Hey! But I got too excited and shouted it at them. I waved with a smile on my face, barely containing the sub that filled my cheeks. They all giggled at me. Two of the girls began talking to one another. One waved, and the ugliest gave me an evil look. I felt great. I want to know if you remember the name of the ugliest one. I understand that you can't divulge that information. <laughs> I don't. Oh, you don't remember. No, I have no idea. I wish I could tell you, but I have no idea. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, I have I have my thoughts. I'm trying to place the time frame. Keep, gotta keep that in mind. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember where I am while this is all happening. So, the whole reason I even remember that there was that many people or that situation at all is just because I wrote it down in a journal. And if I didn't introduce myself to the people, then I didn't remember their name. And God, my just... dad told me one day when I moved to the states from Canada, he was like, "The best way." that you'll be able to become social is by meeting a new person every day. And then it will start to become hard to remember all their names. So try to remember facts about them or like a thing that like makes them unique as a person and different from other people. Um, like maybe their laugh, their smile, or like how they make you feel or something like that. And then that'll help you remember their name. Um, but always try to remember one new person every day. But I only remembered the people that were not that the porch sitters <laughs> <laughs> that but, was a real roundabout that was a real roundabout way of saying they weren't important they uh they, they weren't important to me at the time no <laughs> they weren't important enough to remember no they were not important enough to remember <laughs> But remember, I am just across the street from these people at the time. This is not later on or anything like that. I get, I get where you're going. Okay. <laughs> Great. I was in a new place and already people were taking notice. The campus was full of young, excited people just like me that were looking to have a great time with one another. When I got back to the dorm, I realized that perhaps people were taking notice because I was six foot seven and had such long hair that desperately needed to be shaved. I walked to my room, taking the longest possible route through the dorms. I stopped on every floor along the way to scope out the women. When I got to my room, I began unpacking. I had the door open when in walked my roommate with what seemed like his entire family. I was vastly outnumbered. He didn't even introduce himself. I suspect due to a lack of confidence or social skills. I spearheaded the awkward introduction and laid some southern gentleman hospitality on them. His name was Ethan. His family was comprised of midgets, and I thought it was a prank. 
For a moment, I thought my dorm room was becoming overrun by dwarves. Not one specific thing bothered me about my new roommate. Everything bothered me about him. Have you ever just encountered a person that, like, instantly the things that they want to talk about and everything that they present themselves as is just the most annoying individual to you at the time? Yes. That was him. Yes. Em emphatically, yes. So, so, so much, yes. He walked in, and it wasn't just, like, one thing. It was everything. I was like, man, this kid is just, like... It's kind of like, out of my way. Like, big shot. So, I'll continue with the story. I knew him and I weren't going to click, socially or intellectually. He was a farm boy, and I was a beach bum. Something about him rubbed me the wrong way. It wasn't that he stood no taller than five foot five. It was that he was very reserved with things he said. Everything he chose to say reflected his belief that he was better than every person around him. Even though I didn't like the kid off the bat, I still helped him. His family and I grabbed things from their vehicle and carried it to the room. I was slightly bitter that I had carried almost everything up to my room by myself, and this kid had his entire family tree, plus a giant helping him. He took forever to set up his bed with his dad. He used long posts under it so he could set it up like a bunk bed with his desk underneath of it. He was a short guy climbing into his little bird's nest. It was like I had a kid in my room that lived in a goddamn treehouse in the corner. You, you know, I had one of those. <laughs> Did you? You're, yeah. You're kind of the worst. <laughs> but he had, like, bought one and brought it from some other place, so it was like a little... The weird, obscure ones, and it took them forever to figure out how to get it mounted to the bed. So, Ugh. I already don't like the kid, but now, my bed's on the floor, on, you know, regular people posts. And his bed is beside <laughs> mine, six to eight feet in the air, like an Egyptian god. <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of pharaoh <laughs> sitting above me and I'm like peasant status so it really uh it really grinded my gears oh man mine was uh my ceilings were low in my apartment man uh the uh I couldn't I couldn't deal with it for too long it was uh it was is rough because I kept like kept rubbing like rubbing my back on the uh ceiling when I would have a company I got you so, yeah. While they unpacked, they practically interrogated me. They were trying to get a good read on my character, and it seemed like they didn't like me. Frankly, I knew I was going to be doing my own thing in the room, whether my roommate and I were friends or not. Being friends would just make life easier. If I wanted to smoke pot, fuck girls, or go as far as shooting up heroin, I was going to do it. Ethan's parents were beyond controlling and overbearing. They hovered over him the entire time that he unpacked. I thought they were never going to leave. It was more than two hours before they started to make tracks. They stayed until the very last box was put away. I just wanted a roommate that would do fun things with me. I wanted to create college stories with a good group of people. I also wanted to make friends I could count on and would always have my back. I was... So, my dad... 
knew it was time to bounce when I was like, hey, Dad, that's the last box. But this kid's parents didn't leave until the last pair of socks was put into the place where the socks go. Wow. So I knew that this was just going to be a different relationship between us because of our upbringing, right? Yeah. He's got some attachment stuff going on there. Yeah. I knew that he was going to be on the phone with his parents every day. I'd be checking in once in a while, but they were be the ones being like, Michael, you're not picking up the phone. Yeah. The small fish in a big pond. After having to listen to them for all that time, they finally said they were going to dinner. They didn't invite me, nor did they imply that they wanted me to come. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be insulted or glad. I started playing video games on my computer and just ignored them as they left to eat. When they left, I reflected on what a great father I had. He knew that it was time to let the bird fly, even though I had been soaring for years before college, and that sticking around for too long to help me unpack was not cool. Ethan's parents, on the other hand, were far too overprotective to let their little chickadee go. This explained their interrogation of me and their isolationist dinner. They couldn't just say goodbye. What I remember most about that day is how bad I wanted to smoke weed and that I had no place to do it. I didn't know of any safe haven where a freshman could walk and smoke weed in the town. I waited for Ethan to come back, parent-free, before leaving to engage in my recreational activities. When he came back, I was finally able to ask him if he was cool with smoking weed. I showed him that I had a few ounces of pot with me. He asked what I needed so much for, and I explained that I didn't want to be buying weed from strangers in Radford. He understood my reasoning, because it was true, but he wondered why I needed so much. I told him that I got a discount if I bought more, like Costco or Sam's Club. He laughed and said, yeah, I'm cool with it. Well, then he was really cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. In that moment. In, in that, that moment, moment, yeah. In that moment. But also, what are you going to say? Right? Uh, yeah. What yeah, can you point. say? You might feel bullied. This kid's like five foot nothing. I'm like six foot plus something. And he probably just felt out of his elements already. And I felt a little more secure because I'm like, I'm here to party. And at, and at this moment, you've had no questions with him. So you don't know if he's ever seen weed before in his life. Correct. I'm just like, hey, bro. In this moment. In you this cool? moment, you know nothing, and he just sees lots. Yes. This might just be his first exposure to actually that much marijuana in one place at once. I had never or, considered or that all. until you had kind of mentioned it. Well, I asked or, if he or... was cool with it. So, I mean, that kind of would imply at least that he has some sort of capacity Listen, to understand I, if... what it is. If I am from a overbearing family, mm-hmm. and in a farm town a, though, I, but that, that, I don't know. I don't know the until, until the last box was put away, until the last sock was. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm from an overbearing, like on top of me family, and I'm away at school, and uh, a guy says, "Hey man, are you cool?" I think my answer is automatically yes. Like, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what the situation is, like, are you cool, man? Yeah, I'm cool. Sure. 
I'm from a farm. I'm from a farm of of little people. Yes, I'm cool. <laughs> please, please allow me to transverse my. Please don't make fun of me. I'm cool. I'm not the butt of a joke. I'm cool. Yeah, I did not like Ethan at the time. <laughs> but I was willing to share things with him because that's how I am. So with that's that, good, that's a good way to be. I asked him if he wanted to go outside, smoke some weed. I grabbed my one hitter, some weed, and we set off on our journey. We walked around for a little bit, looking for a good place that we could smoke. The row houses on each street gave too much visibility to anywhere we tried to blaze. We eventually walked up the tallest hill we could find, behind some apartments, and smoked. Two girls shouted at us from one of the apartment patios. Why aren't you smoking in your house? We live in the dorms. They called us stupid freshmen, but we were high, so we didn't feel belittled. While we walked back to the dorms, I tried talking to Ethan to see if we had anything in common. That's so pitiful that I was so young and just didn't know anybody in this town and just wanted to smoke weed when, like, knowing what I know now, I could have, like, thrown a lasso in a circle and hit eight different houses that would have gladly taken me in and let me use the gravity bong for free. Just by saying, hey, I'll let you take some hits. I'm a freshman. But instead, I walk like 10 streets, the furthest street away from my dorm with this strange kid that I've just met and start smoking weed out of a one-hitter that basically looks like a crack pipe to any unsuspecting passerby. And then these girls start shouting at us from the apartment. Like, what a pitiful moment. I'm just curious. Like, I, like I'm, I'm trying to place... Ethan's mind like the situation like is he smoking with you yeah so so like I'm, I'm away at school like I'm, this is this is my first interaction with this roommate who's got all kinds of supply I'm included in this like whether you thought he was that cool or not like I bet he was pumped to be in that situation I never thought about it like that, but maybe that was probably one of the best weed experiences of his life. Maybe. To smoke out of some crack pipe-looking <laughs> thing while two girls In shouted. public at his first day at college with his roommate right after his parents left? Probably exhilarating. I could tell that we were not going to be doing a whole lot of partying together in our near future. He just wasn't cool or interesting enough to me. I didn't want to spend the time getting to know and befriend him. When we got back to the dorms, I decided I needed to start meeting new people. See, the way that you make it sound is that, like, I'm a vicious, terrible person. No, no, I'm I'm thinking more from the perspective of, like, holy crap, like, like way to go ball. So he probably, like, after that experience, he's like, okay, I'm going to get serious. Well, I, mean, like, I imagine I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to think from the perspective of something like that, like. True. To go to an to go to an extreme of something that you've never experienced before. Like, don't you think that you would test the waters and then like reel it back? Like, all right. Whoa. Like, I remember the first time I got high. It was like months later before I tried it again because it was like so flipping intense. I can see that. I can see that. So I remember. Maybe he wanted to I remember. Reel it in after. 
I remember being so, so hungry and I was like, okay, I'm going to make pizza. And I made, I made a big tombstone, large, extra large pizza that I had in the freezer. And, uh, I fell asleep right after I made it, put it, pulled it out in the oven, put it on top of the oven to cool, uh, passed out, woke up. It was gone. Somebody Didn't ate your it. pizza. Somebody ate my whole pizza. It was gone. Savage. That, like, that was like my first, like one of my first weed experiences. Were you in the house with other people that had smoked or consumed oh, yeah, weed a, with you? A, oh, so yes, they got stoned absolutely. and they ate your pizza. You did all the yes, hard work. Yes, yes. I, like I said, it wasn't, it, was part, it wasn't even mine. Like, we all just got high together. You were the chicken that baked the pie. <laughs> so do you want to yeah. hear some more of this book? I'd love to hear some more of this book.